You're listening to the Punk Theology Podcast. This would be season three. Listen, you motherfuckers. What the? F- We're back. Holy shit. Yeah. And then there were three. So this is season three. Episode three. We're in November. Almost Thanksgiving. And there's three of us. Derek, you have the floor. So, it's uh, me and Steve and Russ here. Yeah. Uh, you probably, listeners, will notice that we haven't posted in a while. Yeah. Um, we've been discussing internally what, what we're going to do moving forward. And so, Chuck and John and Arthur uh, were in a spot where they just didn't want to be recording anymore. Um They've we got, were still meeting once a week. Yeah, we were still meeting once a week. They just got to a spot where they have... Some of them have some pretty brutal personal things they were working through. Um, and, and part of it was that they didn't feel like they were comfortable sharing it for very, I thought, pretty good reasons. Yeah. It did, and, uh, and it kind of took away from the authenticity of the show if they couldn't talk about that. So, um, yeah. So, and then we finally... They finally made the decision that... Uh, that they didn't want to do anymore. So uh, things, for the most part, are kind of amic- pretty amicable, I think. And uh, define so, amicable. I didn't go to college, Derek. No, it's incredibly hard feelings. Nobody got shot. Yeah, no one's sniped. Yeah, nobody yeah. said they don't want to see anybody else anymore. That's right. We're all still friends. Um, but yeah, but I think we're going to try and push forward and just see what it looks like with just the three of us. Yeah, with the three of us doing. Uh, Doing the show, Steve. Yeah, what's your take on that? What's your take on all that? The Holy Trinity, <laughs> season three. I'm excited to see where three of us will take it. Uh, the dynamics will be a little different, obviously, but like you said, uh, we still love those guys. Uh, hang with them. We just not record with them. All right. Uh, no one's no one's butt hurt. No, no, right. no. Where I am. Uh, willing to look at who I am and and go into those dark places of myself that for the most of my evangelical Christian life wouldn't look at. But looking at them now, not afraid of those shadows in the closet yeah. that tend to keep me from sharing. Mm. Yeah, and sharing it publicly is a, is a thing that's interesting and difficult. And there's always the the weight of that on myself because I've been doing it for over a decade. But I'm not a, a professional person. Like I don't have a like a major th- career. I don't have a whole lot to lose. And that's sort of how I live my life. I don't know if that's a positive thing. That's not. <laughs> Right, like, to, like that's not advice I'm giving people. Just live a life with nothing to lose, um, uh, and that's kind of how I roll. And and seeing that with you guys and my friends is is an interesting thing. And also, we were talking about off mic earlier how the tendency to shit on oneself comes to play here, and I. I do have some a feeling of responsibility 
and that was kind of cleared for up. Responsibility for them leaving, you mean? Yeah, or not not just that, but almost a failure of the vision of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, but on a logistical level, six people was a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, for for doing a podcast. Um, so, but I think it's the relationships that will continue to carry on, and 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 that's the most valuable thing about this this project. You know, has been our relationships and that we can we can do what we've been doing and if we're just doing it with the three of us that's still okay right uh, so yeah that's kind of what's going on for moving forward yeah um, don't need to get too much into it I don't feel like uh, yeah. I think the focus of the show is going to probably be just more on us and what's going on what we're dealing with uh, I know one of the things that's been coming up a lot lately for me is just the idea of where where is my pain and how can I sit with it and, and feel it and work through it. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of hopeful that uh, we'll do a good job of focusing on that moving forward. Yeah. Um, uh, learning to, to sit with each other's pain. And, and then it doesn't always have to be a negative pain thing. Success and happy and Right. Uh, and that too, but uh, I think that's where a lot of my interest is in right now is figuring out how to hold my pain in a way that helps me work through it uh, mm-hmm. but doesn't cause long-term damage at the same time. Because I think for me it's admitting that the pain is there because you think that that pain is somehow I'm defective. Or abnormal, as Marty Feldman would say, and you know Frankenstein. But that we all have that pain, yeah. and when we can learn, like you said, Derek, to sit with that and not try to avoid it and and be in it. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I've been engaging with a lot recently is there's the pain, and then there's the panic that comes along with oh, the pain. Right. And the pain doesn't go away, but the longer you hold the pain the more the panic recedes. And honestly, the panic is the damaging part. Right. That's the part that really starts to escalate. It starts to spill into relationships. starts to hurt people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you start extrapolating like, oh, this is, you know, I'm going to feel like this forever. Yeah. Or this is only, or this is going to get worse. Like, like, think about how much pain I feel now. Just wait another week and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And what the hell's wrong with me? And what if somebody finds out? Or what if the wrong person finds out? Or what if this affects my work? Mm-hmm. And just learning to hold that and try and find peace while I'm holding that pain until the panic works its way out. Yeah. Uh, and that seems to be most of my practice right now, which yeah. is weird because it's very simple. Yeah, me too. And it's also a part of the sobering part about this is I've been, you know, I've done so many recovery groups. I've sat in 10,000 recovery groups with people. And there's a very solution-oriented kind of a thing, and going after people in those groups is a thing. and and it had me thinking about actually the holiday coming up, right? So Thanksgiving is going to roll around. And what you just brought up, Derek, is is something that um, 
my friend Paul Young would say about people, everyone is going through that. Everyone is, is dealing with this counterbalance, you know, kind of pendulum swing of love and pain. Everyone is. And we're all going to sit at a dinner table with someone. Even if it's just your wife. There's going to be family members. Maybe some people are coming into town. You haven't seen those people in a long time. And you're all family. And, and everyone's doing that. What you just said. Everyone's dealing with the pain and the panic. Unwilling to share the pain. And not that they're going to share the pain with you. But I think that would be maybe a good discipline. It's a good discipline for me. Not that I'm throwing it out there in the world like I'm some fucking preacher or something, but it, it's it's just the awareness that you're going to be sitting at the table with people who have that dichotomy going on in their spirit, you know? Right, and separating, and like, that's a good analogy. Yeah. And inferring the, can you separate it in those moments, the panic from the pain? Mm-hmm. And when someone else who's feeling the same thing sitting at the table explodes on you, recognizing... How much of that is pain and how much is that panic? Mm-hmm. Are they just panicking? And, like, do they, you know, given the right opportunity, would they be able to be vulnerable and expose that pain? Mm-hmm. But because there's so much history, the panic is forcing them to lash out. Mm-hmm. Um, Throw a salt shaker or right. something across the get, room. We'll get blackout drunk or, and or start <laughs> making racist jokes or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm from North Idaho, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Pick a fight with grandpa, conservative right. grandpa, or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's the thing too. Is just just hearing you say that. I almost, I almost want to have something like that happen. Just so, because kind of the old me is looking for solutions. Yeah. Like, hey, buddy, how can I make this better for you? Just, what if they share it? And then instead of you jumping to conclusions or finding solutions, Meeting you just their go... Meeting panic with your panic. Yeah. <laughs> that's always the worst thing in any emergency situation. Yeah. One person panicking is bad. The other person responding with panic to somebody else's panic, that's when this, that, yeah. That's when you just start feeding on each other and that shit just builds and builds and builds and builds yeah, and gets yeah. out of control. Yeah. So, yeah. What feeds the panic? Fear. Fear of... Um, me not having my shit together, I think, maybe. Or fear of... I don't, fear of I, conflict? I, I think, think it's, in a family situation? I think in many of those things with the family situations and the animal panic, it's like a... It's like a deep... Evolutionary... Like, <laughs> like, like in retrospect, <clears throat> after it happens and you look back, like, I don't recognize that uh-huh. as being me type of thing. Those moments of like, who the fuck was that that said that? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, there's like a... Impulse control. Yeah. Well, it's, I think a big part of it is that it's triggering, you know, I'd say triggering selves from when you were three, four, five, six years old. Because yeah. there was all that nostalgia and expectation built up in that. And then also... The disappointment of being an adult <laughs> and, right. and having to deal with these other people who are not the wonderful versions of themselves that yeah. you 
expected them to be, and you're not the wonderful version of yourself that you expected yourself to be. Yeah, yeah. And all that shit just... I think for me, that's my panic, is that that version that I wanted to be, that I present, is going to get exposed. Because every time, looking back through most of my life, every time I've exploded, it's been out of panic of being known, of being uh, exposed, of being really, because you know who you are, but you want to present a different image as more together, as yeah. more... In that moment when that happens, how much of you is wanting to be exposed, and how much of you is panicking think, against being exposed? I want to be exposed if I could be exposed safely. Right. Yeah. You know, I could be exposed loved. If I could peel back every layer and see those dark, that secret self that we talked about off mic, uh, and still be loved. Mm -hmm. And that's the issue, personally, that I have in my relationship with God, is if God knew that, He wouldn't have anything to do with me. And that's my struggles. Even in, in relationship with people, if they knew everything, they wouldn't want to be with me. Mm. And that's the, the fear, that's the panic. Is that coming out? Right. To know who you really are. And is there... So I'm just relating when I feel that. There's a big mix of disappointment and frustration in that too. How so? kind of gets... A bit like that I can't. Yes. Like you... Like, why can't you be the safe person right. that I can imagine you to be? Mm. Uh, like, you know, like you're my parent or you're my, you know, yeah. you grew up with me. <laughs> you're a really old friend. Mm -hmm. Why are you so shitty at this yeah, that right. I can't expose myself without getting slapped down? Yeah. And, mm. then, and then the contrary to that, like, why am I... Why do I do that to other people sometimes? That's, just that's awful. When I when I catch myself, that's the worst yeah. feeling ever. Yeah. It's like that person started to expose a vulnerability and slapped them down yeah. out of impulse. And they start saying things like, I can't, I don't know if I can open up to you. You know, that hurts. Uh, yeah, man. Um, I think that being in it with somebody being a safe place in an unsafe place like the Thanksgiving I, just, I keep going back to that I've had so many shitty Thanksgivings you know and this year this year my wife and I are like you know it might just be us we don't we don't know maybe we'll take my cousin Chris out to I don't know a buffet or something you know um, and that would be okay my stepbrother just moved back here to Washington State, and uh, and and like he's Buddhist. He's funny. Like I don't, I don't do Thanksgiving, dude. You know, <laughs> he's got that kind of attitude, um, which is which is cool and freeing. You know, it, it's such a it's such a responsibility. Relationships, yeah. Relationships sometimes feel like an obligation. Family stuff. Feels like this is more blood, you know, that whole connection. There's a lot thing. more, it's a lot more likely that you'll do something with your family out of obligation than do something with your friends out of obligation. Yeah, that's I true. think that's probably a big part of why people struggle with their family so much. Yeah. Is you don't get to pick your family. Right. Well, and your, you know, your friends invite you to do something, it's a lot easier to filter out. 
Yeah. Well, I, I think really it, families, too, you feel like you've got a role to play. Yeah, that's true. Everybody's yeah. been pushed I mean, into a... Yeah. And you, the good son, the bad son, the good daughter, the bad daughter. And that's especially tough if you don't see each other that often. Yeah. Because yeah. then you're expected to play a role that's 15, right. 20 years old. <laughs> not that person anymore. Yeah. Right. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Dane Cook had this bit where he would talk about that, like, you know, you're you're at Thanksgiving dinner with sitting across the table from the guy that molested you. Like that's as dark comedy, but there's some fucking truth to that. You know, there's people that are gonna go I'm through sure that. It's super common. Yeah. Oh fuck. You know. Or, yeah. Just locking I mean, yourself every, in the closet, looking at book boxes like Risk and Clue. Not everybody. I mean, not. It's, like, it's not always the molestation story, but I'd say every. Almost every single Thanksgiving dinner, you're there with someone who really hurt you really badly. Yeah, yeah. emotionally abused you. Yeah, right. Who yeah. just had a moment that stuck with you for your entire life. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and you have to sit there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're obligated. Obligated. To I sit doubt there. there's anybody that is sitting at a Thanksgiving dinner that wasn't emotionally abused by those at that table. Yeah, and that not that. I know there's people at my Thanksgiving table that I've emotionally abused. Right. No question. Yeah. And I think if we could get anything across, it would be that. Guys, you're not alone. No, that's been the more, as I've talked with more and more guys, even some gals, it's understanding that we're all in this same struggle to avoid the panic yeah. of the pain. Panic and pain. It's a good place to land the plane. Uh, Till next week. Or the week uh, after. Or the week after. Four, <laughs> four months from now. Who knows? <laughs> four months from now. You never know. I love you guys. Later. Bye. I think the worst time to have a heart attack is during a game of charades. That's a huge bitch. Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Don't forget to subscribe. Like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound. Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content. Don't kick it out! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh.